This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, Dr. Jason Kindrachuk chats about quarantine hotels, what we can look forward to with vaccines, and what rates and maybe the fall will be here with COVID and all things COVID-19 in Canada. Are you okay with out-of-control weddings? Are you okay with finding your lost wallet 46 years later? has no money in it, spoiler alert. And Handy Andy Barrar chats with us about technology, DIY, including blueberries, and he has a personal crossroads with a fitness tracker and the company that got him to check it out and do its tests. All of this and more on the Shift Daily Podcast. Dr. Jason Kinderchuk. He's a migrant now. He's migrating (laughs) from province to province. I'll give you some history. He's from University of Manitoba and uh, took, it was like a working sabbatical, Jason, that you went to Saskatchewan? Yeah, it was uh, basically I was on a one year research leave uh, in uh, in Saskatchewan. So I was, uh, you know, seconded to Saskatoon for a year. And uh, yeah, now I'm back in, in sunny Winnipeg. Well, it is ironic because in your personal life, you have to quarantine now coming back into Manitoba. And that's kind of what we're talking about is quarantining and the importance of it, at least with travel and everything that's going on. So we'll get a general update. And the irony is you're halfway through your family, you know, stuck yeah. in your house waiting to go back to work because you've come back into Manitoba. Yeah. And coming from a province that had, you know, probably about a third or, you know, or, or more of, uh, you know, a test positivity rate. Uh, of what you know, Manitoba does. So yeah, you know, certainly a little bit strange times, but uh, you know, you do what what you think is right and what what's you know being asked of you, and, and you just go with it. Yeah. Well, sitting and waiting is what many people have done, and some of the stats have come out now and have said that less than 0.88 percent of those who have flown in and stayed at the uh, the <laughs> the Trudeau hotels, as I like yeah. to call them, that's my language, not Jason's. I'll take that one if I have to, um, have tested positive for coronavirus at all. Now, that to me seems like a low number, especially when you're looking at expensive hotels for people who fly in and people who can drive in can just go home. At what point do we... At what point do we look at that one as of, you know, in, in your study of all viruses and those things, how, at what point do we look at that and say, okay, well, whether it worked or not, history will tell, but it's time to shut that down. How, how do you do that? Yeah, it's a good question, right? It's, it's kind of, you know, when do we, you know, kind of let go of the uh, the buoy a little bit in the lifeline and and start to try and go back to, to normal? You know, I always go back to this idea that there's no blueprint for COVID, right? So a lot of what we're doing right now is based on trial and error from what's gone on throughout the pandemic. Um, but we're in a different situation now where we're actually learning from other countries that have gone through this. So certainly Israel, the UK have gone through this recently. We're seeing the US open up in, in a lot of uh, districts and areas as well. And that's really a good guidance for us. So, you know, what is there a specific test positivity rate that we need to be out? Not necessarily, right? So sub sub 3%, you know, I think is still optimal, still where we want to be uh, at that threshold for reducing restrictions. But we want to be as low as possible. And I think part of it is, can you start to reduce those restrictions and still maintain a low test positivity rate, low case number, and you don't see that exacerbation of, uh, of healthcare resources? So I think for us, it is this sense that, as we start to see, you know, certainly vaccination rates are increasing. We need to get more second doses out to people. So we need to see people that, that are completely immunized. If you have people that, that are you know, doubly vaccinated with, with both, both doses, you're probably at a point in time where now you can start to look at those people and say, yeah, you know what, the, the risks for them are very, very low. And worldwide data suggests for us that, in fact, they, there is a very low likelihood that they are going to be the ones that will be transmitters um, post-travel uh, when, when they return or when they go to other places. It is interesting to look at some of those numbers and say, okay, well, at what point is just the way it's going to be. Now, my understanding in our conversations is that, you know, COVID's not going to disappear anytime soon. It's going to be around. It's going to have to be dealt with for a little while. (laughs) That's okay. We got babies. He's a dad. This is a real life working from home. Um, The uh, we've got these situations with all these different things going on, right? Where, where like we're going to see this for a while. So you just said like below 3% positivity, you know, kind of gets us into a realm of reasonable, I guess, maintenance. I mean, what what does yeah. it look like a year from now? Is that is that still the same kind of number? 
Well, here, here's the question we're at, right? Is we don't have an idea of what it's going to look like to have, you know, kind of that that basal transmission in the background. Listen, all, all the I think we we had ever really hoped for was that we were going to maybe get to a point of elimination for the virus. So could we get enough vaccination and enough restriction in place that we don't see any transmission in Canada? Well, those days I think have come and gone, especially with the variants. So now it's a question of saying, well, where's where is that that basal amount of transmission where we're able to cover all of our bases? We don't see widespread community transmission, but we still have the virus moving through the community. Is it is it one percent test positivity? Is it 0.05? Is it 0.5? I, I don't think we know yet. And I think that's part of the the unknown for us, right, is it really we have to go through this and, and again, kind of look at this a little bit piecemeal and see what happens when we start to to open up restrictions. Now, again, all this, but the entire tenets of all this is based off of the effectiveness of the vaccines. So all the variants that have been thrown at us so far, um, the vaccines have covered very, very well, even with the, the Delta variant, the B1617 variant. Yes, single dose, you know, we certainly know that there's a, a reduction in effectiveness. But if we go to two doses, we, we see very, very good uh, uh, effectiveness of, of those vaccines. So we get lots of people vaccinated, transmission rates drop, the likelihood is that over time those will continue to drop and we will be at a point that hopefully, you know, we, we will be at that sub 1% uh, kind of a gain from, from the situation we've seen in Israel and, and the UK, um, where that may be our basal level, but we're able to control it. We're able to identify those cases as quickly as possible before they start to move into, uh, into the community. Now that word you're using is it basal? Is that like a like a mean sort of mid range <laughs> yeah. number? Yeah, it's basically like a background threshold, right? So you know when we think about you know uh, flu season, we know that you know even with you know high vaccination rates, which in the case of flu, if we reach you know forty fifty percent, that's phenomenal. Even if we aim for higher, we're always going to see some amount of transmission in the background, right? There, there's just there's not going to be that ability for us to eliminate it fully uh, from uh, from our communities. So where where is that position where you have as high a vaccine coverage and immunity as you can get in the population, but you still have some transmission that's occurring because you always have people that may not be able uh, you know be able to to be vaccinated yet. In particular, you know the question of children and what that looks like for younger kids. We don't really know. We we certainly know they're infected at lower rates, but we don't know what their transmission looks like, especially in those very young populations. So when we move into summertime and fall time where where is that zone uh, of where the virus is still there but it's not climbing it's just sitting at a kind of a nice flat line uh the public health agency of canada released this data about the less than one percent of people who skipped the line of the hotels and got the tickets uh tested positive uh and of course just to be clear the public health agency of canada here on the shift i like to call it fac because that's what it feels like every time they release yes. information. Um, the uh, the uh, are they the ones that gives the advice now? How does this work for when they say, okay, well, I mean, there's been a lot of speculation when the border opens up and when these things change. How does that work from your viral end of it in order to who gives that advice? I mean, I guess ultimately it's up to the government, but really, yeah, how do you I mean, determine it. You know- well, we're, you know, we're, we're still on a point where we're trying to, you know, I think communicate globally about what things look like, right? So we're, we're, we're very much, I think, we're, you know, uh, somewhat inclined to still look at WHO to see what what overall the, the, the global picture looks like. And then Public Health Agency of Canada, these are you know, some of the smartest people in Canada that, that are working there. Um, you know, they are the ones that, that are monitoring this in real time and certainly seeing, you know, data, uh, you know, hour by hour on, on where transmission is. So they will be able to provide the best guidance. And, and we have to appreciate that this is this is a question that goes beyond just the virus, right? We start to look at the epidemiology, we look into you know uh, other health factors, uh, you know, beyond COVID. Um, and as well, obviously, uh, there'll be the economic questions uh, that will that will come up uh, as well. So they will be the ones who will provide the guidance. Um, I think right now, you know, we really are are you know somewhat um, I guess reliant on on vaccination rates. We've done very very well with with uh, first doses in Canada. We've got to get rolling on second doses, and I think that's where we will start to see the implementation of some of these changes. Have you booked a summer vacation yet? Because that's my <laughs> determining factor. When Jason Kinderchuk books his vacation, I'm going to be like, you were good. You know, we've we've been trying to do it, right? So I, I just got my second dose booked. Um, so that'll be at the end of June. Listen, I, if I could get back to Africa by the end of summer, early fall, um, that would be fantastic. I can't go until travel restrictions are opened up. Um, but that's my guide. I mean, we're, you know, I would love to be able to do some traveling in Manitoba. Um, right now, we're at a tough spot with, with test positivity rates. So I think 
we really have to wait to see, you know, when things change. I, I, I need a vacation. I think we, we all do. Um, do do? but certainly I think we want to, we, we want to be, I, I think a little bit, um, uh, you know, maybe guarded in, in booking anything right now, because the situation has just been, uh, you know, pretty, pretty horrible here, uh, for, for obviously the last couple of months now. Yeah. And isn't it, isn't that the case though? You're sort of cautiously optimistic. So you got to look at it, but you kind of don't want to look at it, right? You're like, I don't want to get yeah. excited, but I really got to have something to look forward to, even if I have to postpone it. it. It's so tough, right? Because we, listen, we, we had a couple of, uh, you know, big vacations that we had planned, uh, for just prior to, to the announcement of the pandemic. And we kind of kept on shifting plans from going internationally, then to looking at just national plans. So then saying, okay, uh, we're going to move to Saskatchewan for a year. What can we do in terms of even just maybe going to Alberta and going to the Rockies and stuff? And then all of that changed because the travel restrictions came in. So, you know, I think we've had to be fluid. And I think that's the, it's an uncomfortable medium, right? We don't like to not necessarily be able to plan our, our futures, even, uh, you know, especially within, you know, a few months of time. Um, but I think we're getting so close right now that, if we can get through this, it, it, we will be able to do these things by the end of the year. It's a matter of how quickly we want to jump into this um, without sacrificing a bunch of transmission and being back at, at square one, especially with, with the Delta variant now moving through uh, Canada and other areas of the world. Seems to me to be hand washing and hand sanitizer and wearing masks in certain situations. is just going to be one of those things that's going to stick around for a little while. Probably not a bad thing. We're pretty disgusting beasts anyway. Well, I, you know, I think to me, it's always, you know, I look back at flu season this past year, right? I mean, flu is, you know, five, you know, was it 350 to 600,000 people a year die from it? Um, we had really a, a completely absent flu season. Probably a large chunk of that is due to public health measures and people being cautious with, with hygiene and, and, and just the regular, um, you know, kind of uh, monitoring of, of illness. So to me, there is that aspect that we don't want to be in this position, you know, lifelong. But there are some things that I think that we've learned that will hopefully curb other infectious diseases that continue to, to have a toll, uh, you know, beyond COVID. Well, I hope hand sanitizer sticks around in when you walk into restaurants, stores and restaurants and all those things. I mean, just keep it around. I, that, as, I don't Here's a little fun thing I do, by the way, as I like to watch people on escalators and I always, cause the escalator handrail is gross. Right. And yeah. so I've always been, um, I've always watched that who touches the handrail. Cause I used to yeah. have this habit. I would always put my hand on it and I'd be like, Ooh, uh, but now if you stand in a mall and watch, no, everyone with their arms crossed all the time yeah. on the escalator. It's great. I think it's awesome. It's we've, we've become conditioned to it. Right. And, and I think um, there's an aspect that we want to get away from COVID, but we certainly, again, we want to learn, you know, a little bit from what, what we've faced uh, over the last you know year and a half or so um, and understand that we do actually have some power in being able to fight back against infectious diseases. And, and I think for us, uh, you know, it's very, very important. Um, we, we see what happens when things get out of control and how quickly things escalate. So if we can do some very basic things to control it. Um, I, I don't think that's too much to ask. No, I agree. It's really cool. I don't also don't know how to say, is it pa pathogenesis? <laughs> it is pathogenesis. It? Yeah, no, okay. no. Big, big word. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, too big just, for me. Uh, lots of constants in, in vowels. Yeah, uh, viral pathogenesis, Department of Medical Microbiology. I know that he's back in Manitoba, so I say University of Manitoba. Dr. Jason Kinderchuk, if you do come to the Rockies this summer, I will buy you a beer. I will be looking forward to it. This is The Shift Podcast. Ryan O'Donnell is here. Matt MacArthur is here as well. It is time for Are You Okay? Are you okay with weddings? I think, Matt, this one, really, you should take this one. Are you okay with weddings because yeah. you're the newliest of the weds? Yeah, I mean, you know, mine was good. It was pretty small, uh, you know, February 2020, so right uh, right before the, the uh, deadline there. Mm -hmm. right oh, right before. <laughs> good timing. Um, not that we knew or anything like that, but uh, yeah, no, I think we pioneered the uh, the small wedding from then on in. <laughs> so you're the model. That's why. Yeah, they call it the MacArthur now. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. No. Like I, I like you know I've always been a fan of just like smaller weddings, not like the sort of the big ornate one where you have like hundreds of people. If you know hundreds of people, I guess then it's cool but it's it's a lot of money you know it's a lot mm -hmm. of a lot of plane travel a lot of scheduling a lot of alcohol it's uh it's just it's too much to th even think about 
It's yeah, a lot. We did my wedding was big. I had a big wedding. We it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like 85. A lot of my friends are getting married. Or sorry, MacArthur around me. And uh, <laughs> it's uh, 85 seems to be the sweet spot. There's an, You meet new people. You know most of the people there. And everybody kind of gets really drunk all together. And it's it's very beautiful. Uh, and I, I love the last few weddings I've been to. But the wedding before that, which was 10 years ago, was a giant Italian wedding. And that was a sight to be seen. That was insane. Food was great. But I hope to also be MacArthur one day. Uh, <laughs> and could, it'll be a, probably an 85-person wedding. I could get used to this. When I got yeah. married, it was just such a, there were so many people and it was all radio people. It was just, I don't know. It was what we, we did the best we could at the time. It's how we knew it. But every single table was a different radio station. It was more like a radio conference than it was anything else. It was weird. Ah, well, well, here's a series of crazy and very unfortunate events. A groom married the sister of his bride after she died earlier in the wedding ceremony. Uh, oh, wh- what? Whoa. <laughs> yeah. uh, so this incident happened in Pradesh, India, when a woman named Su- uh, Surabi and a man named Mangish Kumar were tying the knot at a Hindu ceremony on May 27th. This uh, story was reported by the Times of India. Local Channel News 18 reports that during the Jaimala, the exchange of the garlands with the bride and the groom in an Indian wedding, Surabi collapsed, and a doctor was called to treat her after she suffered a heart attack at the wedding. Now, according to USA Today, um, the doctor pronounced the bride dead. The family of the bride and the groom agreed that the bride's younger sister, Nisha, would instead wed the groom. And they got married. Holy crap. My sister's getting married today. Oh, how was your day? Well, you'll never guess what happened. Come home betrothed. Wow. Yeah. That's, that uh, and it, it's kind of mind blowing. Like you put the family makes that decision that day too. Yeah. Their daughter just died in front of them and mm-hmm. they're like, well, on to the next one. That's right. <laughs> That's just kind of crazy to me. Wow. Now, to this day, 90% of marriages in India are still arranged. And I know 90? I have two friends, two friends who are in a, uh, were in arranged marriages. I have one friend, uh, hers did not work out and is divorced today. And I have another friend, his did work out and they are peas and carrots, those two. Two peas in a pod, happy as can be. And, um, and they have a great family and they really have a lot of fun and it's all worked out. Now, in his case, uh, in in the f- the friend who's a female's case, I just protect their privacy a little bit. Um, it was more of that: you're young now, you're arranged, off you go. In his case, though, he basically said to his parents, "Look, I'm going to uh, I'm going to go out and see if I can find someone to marry." I don't know what his year was twenty five, twenty eight, thirty something like that. But he basically said to his parents, "You give me time and let me try to do this my way, and if I don't find anybody by this age, I will I'll do it." I just need to meet her first and have to agree to it. And they did. And they're good. They're happy. Happy as can be. And so that's kind of cool, right? You put the work in, maybe it all works out. I don't know. Here's another unfortunate wedding moment. This one far less tragic than the, the bride dying. The mother of the groom took it personally when the bride told the groom she loved everything about him, including his flaws. Here's a clip. I can't wait for everyone. Uh, you. Thank you. He's not going to say my son has flaws. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can leave. Okay. No, no, I don't have to leave. That dress you're wearing, we've just called down. Let's calm down. <laughs> you're not going to ruin my You are not going to say my okay. son has flaws. Wow. <laughs> Everybody has flaws, and that's why I love them. You can leave, yeah. Judy. Like, you don't have flaws. You can leave. You <laughs> can get out of my wedding now. I'm not leaving. Yes, that dress you you're wearing, I paid for. Huh? Let's do this. Get out. I'm not getting out. Try it, and I'll have you arrested. Well, Tony, get her out of here. This is not right. Church, this is not... Whoa. Nothing. I vote wow. change Karen to Judy. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> nothing like you can leave, wow. Judy. Nothing like defending your uh 
like defending your whole wedding while you're uh, trying to get married there. Jeez. I have a sneaking suspicion Judy was coming in hot on that one. I think Judy oh, yeah. was waiting for the opportunity to oh, yeah. jump in. Uh, and in that clip, I don't want to, I don't want to say anything specific here. I just want to say that in that clip, it's a wedding, and Judy, the mom, was wearing white cargo shorts and a tank top <laughs> to her son's wedding. So I think she, I think she was going in with a little bit of some hesitation. Did she have like a red solo cup too? Like oh uh, you might as well, uh, probably at the feet there. Holy! Well, I'll have you arrested. Wow! Oh, I man. paid for that dress. I'm not leaving. <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Okay. Uh, are you okay? Are you okay with your wallet? <laughs> I'm okay when it has money in it. Yeah, never. Just uh, kind of here and there. <laughs> I haven't had cash in my wallet since before the pandemic, for sure. Uh, I, I want one of those right metal now. wallets. You do have, yeah. Were yeah, you, I, um, like, I did. I sold. Uh, no, I sold my RV satellite dish on the weekend. Oh, yeah, so that was exciting. Cash on the side, yeah. It's yeah, uh, well, holding it's... cash is fun. It feels like bonus money. Is that mm -hmm. just me? Because I have money in my account, and then I look at my wallet. And I'm like, oh, I have an extra thirty dollars in here. I'm mm -hmm. a big spender now. I, like I that. um, I uh, it's going in the bank tomorrow. Sadly, although when I did sell my trailer. We went to the bank to do the transaction at the bank, and the bank was like, well, we can give you a draft and, and all that stuff, but then you have to go get it. Would you just like cash? And I was like, you have that kind of cash lying around? This is we do today. And I was like, do it. So I left. I thought it was funny. I'm like, yeah, I got it. It was $13,300 in cash. Now, it all had to go against the loan, of course, so it wasn't really my money. And um, But I had to take it to a different bank to deposit it. So I have $13,300 in cash on me. And I think this is great, right? Like I'm holding the money. Uh, the bank lady even put like rubber bands on it so I could be like, look at my bands. Nice. nice. And, um, and, but then I realized because I was late getting home, I have a tea time and I'm not going to make it home or to the bank in time. So then I went golfing and put it because I wasn't going to leave it in the car. I put it in my golf bag. And every single hole on the golf course, I checked my bag to make sure the money was still there. I was so distracted all day. I'm like, how do these people carry around cash? I can't. I'm stressed out. I'm going to lose my money. It's not even my money. I got to pay the loan. <laughs> Which, by the way, was kind of cool. My son was, he really wanted to hold it. He wanted to make it rain. Man. <laughs> A woman from Ventura, California, was reunited with a wallet she lost after an employee discovered it in a crawl space. Oh, wait. Did we mention she lost it 46 years ago? In what sounds like something from National, Lampoon, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation with Mother's Day presents found in the attic scene. Beautiful. Um, I would never have imagined, said Tom Stevens, after locating the wallet among old candy bar wrappers, ticket stubs, and soda cans. Wow, that's a lot of garbage in that crawl space. Stevens told the Ventura County Star that when he went on social media to try and locate the owner based on clues in the wallet, including old photos, a 1973 Grateful Dead concert ticket, and a California driver's license for Colleen Diston that expired in 1976. There was no, there was no money in the wallet. Yeah, right. On Friday, Colleen Driston went to pick up uh, is it, I don't know if it's Driston or Distin. I can't tell That's here. My goodness, is that a typo? I'm pretty sure that's um. No, it's just be it's just the font that Burley writes in. It's Driston. Yeah. Are you sure? Because it says it's spelled without an R, and that it's spelled with an R. I, think, I don't think uh, that's the font. I think you need to. Well, you don't have your reading glasses on, so <laughs> that's a typo. Ouch. <laughs> Colleen Colleen Driston went to pick up the red wallet, now brownish, and said it was like opening a time capsule. Here's more from KCAL nine new what? KCAL nine new nine. New nine. Remembers what new. she was doing the night she lost it. We were watching a movie. It was a movie theater back then. 
The historic theater has been an iconic venue since the 1920s, but the pandemic forced the doors to close for more than a year. Management decided to use this time to remodel, and that's how the discovery came about. The other day, one of our employees were changing some light bulbs and the chandelier dropped a couple inches. Tom Stevens had to go into the attic. Down that hole. Climb through a small hole to fix the problem. Down here and way, way over there. You can't even see the chandelier. And lo and behold. Uh, I saw a little red wallet. They posted the ID on Facebook and the rest was history. It's really wonderful. It really is. I, I'm kind of Inside the wallet, photos of friends from high school, poetry, a Grateful Dead concert ticket at UCSB for only $5, and... Pictures of my mom, which was really sweet because she passed away a couple years ago. Holy crap. <laughs> it's hard to explain the feeling that, that I had because it's kind of an emotional one and, and an excitement one. How the wallet got there will remain a mystery, but the memories inside will be forever treasured. That's amazing. I'm so glad she found that. To see all those memories from that long ago. I just really want to say thank you uh, for kindness just to reach out to me. DeMarco Morgan, KCAL 9 News. Aww. Oh, KCAL 9 News, uh, not KCAL mm-hmm. 9 U 9. That's a typo. <laughs> That's a we- Yeah, okay, I'll give you that one. <laughs> I wonder That's if. A great uh, story, though. I wonder if she still had a Jimmy hat in the wallet there from her younger days. <laughs> I've never heard that term before. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my goodness. Okay, okay I'm back. <laughs> uh, but how does it get in that crawl space above with the chandelier? That's what I want. You know, know what? Well, if it was found with Coke, uh, with uh, old cans and candy wrappers, I wonder if there was someone like living in that crawl space for a little bit. Like, you know, Maybe. it's an old theater, snuck in, went in after one of the movies, found the wallet on the ground, took the money out. And uh, lived up there for a little bit and left. I wonder, but there's wow. that. That's the only somebody had to put it up there because it was on the floor, right? Right. Interesting. Well, very cool for her to find those pictures of her mom. Are you okay? I'll tell you what. Actually, that's before we do that. Let's just get into this clip completely out of context first. Today is, the first day. is there anything else you need from me? Actually, I need to find this guy. Matt, it's me! Jenna, why are you here? Yesterday was my 13th birthday, and today I woke up and I'm this. There's something really weird going on. Jennifer Garner, Mark Ruffalo. 13, going on 30. Are you okay with growing up? Like that? (laughs) This is weird, okay. Trust me, it'll make sense. All right. With growing up? Uh, I mean, I guess we got to do it someday. Mm-hmm. I wish yeah. that we could do life the other way around. Like, I really wish we could. I wish we could start old and wise and then just get younger and simpler and more naive as time mm-hmm. goes on. Well, that would be cool. Benjamin Button. I think that happens anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to some. Uh, nice. Like, like, you can just become an old baby. <laughs> some people do. Actually. That's very true. Um, that's a good point. Okay, well, a 30-year-old woman has been arrested on trespassing charges in Texas after she allegedly infiltrated a school while dressed as her 13-year-old daughter for a social media stunt. Oh, boy. According, <laughs> to, the El pa- going according to the El Paso <laughs> County Sheriff's Office, Casey Garcia of San Elizario Faces, faces, faces charges of criminal trespassing and tampering with government records in connection with the incident, not to mention the clothing. Authorities say Garcia disguised herself with a sweater and a face mask and pretended to be her daughter for a full day of classes at middle school in El Paso. The video ends with her being sent to the principal's office. Well, I finally got caught. I told him that I would go to the principal's office, so I guess we're going to see what happens. Just want to say thank you to all the girls that helped me get to all of my classes yesterday. I really, really appreciate it. I honestly would have been discovered way sooner if it weren't for you. And if you knew my secret and you kept it for me, thank you so much for not saying anything. I honestly could have not made it the entire day as a middle school student without you. 
Okay, so she's wearing a face mask. How yeah. closely are these teachers looking at their students? Well, so I watched a good chunk of the video, and there's like a point where she does her makeup to look like her daughter more, and then she has the face mask and glasses, and she's wearing her daughter's hoodie and everything. Uh, so they just walk by really quick. It, 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 there's not much of her face showing. So, you know, just talking a higher pitch voice and might be able to sneak by. I just, it's, it's a little interesting that she's so thank you to everyone who helped. She's so proud of herself, but yeah. like she got charged. With the crime. Well, school officials so stupid alerted authorities to the adult intruder on June 1st. The sheriff's office said detectives quickly identified the suspect, reviewed her social media posts, and later arrested her at home in an incident she also posted on YouTube. She admitted to infiltrating the school in a follow-up video posted on YouTube on Friday, which she claimed she was performing a social experiment. I didn't do this to get views, she said in the video, which has hundreds of thousands of views. We need better security at our schools. So this is what I tried to prove. Wait, I can do better. We need better security in our schools. This is what I tried to prove, uh, she <laughs> says. I didn't mean to be curt, but I kind of feel like I proved it. Uh, there, that's better. Yeah. Interesting. Proved it. Um, look, she, this is 100%. I want to be 13. Look at me. I can dress in my 13 year old daughter's clothes. I still got it. Hey. And yeah. I'm cool on social media. I wonder if I can get away with it. I want to interview the daughter. How embarrassed is the daughter? <laughs> that next day of class, the mom was probably like, all right, I'll make a wager. You don't have to school, go to school today. I'll fill in for you. And she's like, oh, sweet. I don't have to go to school. Great. And then the next day she goes to class and everybody just looks at her and goes, so tell us about your mom. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that poor girl. No word if the uh, mother got any phone numbers from the principal or anything, though. You never know. Single people doing their thing. All right. Um, that is a weird one, and we are going to leave it there because that is weird. It's the Shift Podcast. It was a big day in technology world today. Another one of those Apple release days. I don't even know what they used to call it, like the keynote. I don't even know what it is anymore. It's like, hey, let's get together and stuff. And there was no one more thing and all those little pieces of the puzzle that Apple likes to do to get us all excited to spend our money, to give our money to the dark lords of Apple. We'll talk about that shortly. First, though, we've got to welcome in our buddy. It's time for Disco Andy. Andy Barrar. Handy Andy. I'm here for the music. Not, yeah. Not only does he uh, skip rope. I think Skippy's a good name for you. Uh, he's also a beast in Vegas. So. HandyAndyMedia.com for uh, Andy Barrar. Andy, how are you? I'm good, Shane. How are you? I'm great. Thank you very much. Thanks for being here with us again on The Shift. Uh, there's so many people are concerned about your berries. How are your berries? My berries are, are are doing really good. I actually ended up having more of these reclaimed um, cedar panels from an old fence. So I created more of these raised beds, what I call berry boxes. And then I needed more blueberries. So I called up my new blueberry farmer friend and I said, I have an offer to make you that you cannot refuse. How about I trade you some cannabis plants for some blueberry bushes? And he was very, very interested in that. So for four cannabis plants, I bartered and I got 12 more blueberry bushes. And they're, they're the Elliott variety. I also learned that. So I've been Googling all about Elliott blueberries. And uh, yeah, I'm a, I am now a micro blueberry farmer, Shane. I got blueberries. Next year, I'm going to when, when they're not going to harvest this year, but next year um, I'm going to freeze them. And I don't think I'm ever going to buy blueberries again. And you know what? One good thing that happened out of the pandemic. I got oh, two things. I learned to jump rope and I got blueberries for the rest of my life from a micro blueberry farm. Yeah. So now are you going to replace your cannabis plants? Because I think you're only allowed four. So well, now that you've got... see, he actually solved the problem that I had because I've had more than four plants. 
that oh. I was going to. So typically what I do is I have the plant. I'm, I've gotten really good at cloning the plant. So you create like other plants from the plants. And so I always typically make more than four in case some of them die. But I'm getting really good at it now. So I'm always ending yeah. up with more. So now I'm bartering these cannabis plants for different types of plants. It's yeah. awesome. I love Canada. What a great country we live in that <laughs> we can do Canada. this. <laughs> <laughs> so happy you, uh, to be Canadian. I just, I, I feel compelled to remind you that this is a radio show. Like, I mean, we have our personal conversations, but this one, Andy, just so you know, everyone else can hear it, right? Like, I know, so but, know. but like I said, I have my four plants. I got rid of the other four plants I had, and now I have okay. 12 blueberry bushes. This is, this is awesome. This is bartering, you know, like, like they used to do in the olden days. Yeah, well, you know what? I um I feel compelled to uh, play the clip that we played with Are You Okay last night with Andy's I Love Canada uh, clip. And um and just so everyone can get a little perspective about what life is like during a pandemic, here is the uh here is the clip that we used in Are You Okay last night, Andy, that I think you will appreciate. And the family gathering was the illegal part. <laughs> oh, I missed it. Hang on. Let's to screw that up. Let me do that again. To those living in Ontario, Canada, did you ever think the day would come when you'd be smoking weed at a family gathering and the family gathering was the illegal part? See, that's the I love Canada part right there. <laughs> yes, totally. That's great. Uh, all right. So tell me, so you're all set. The blueberries are good to go. Your thumbs up all over the place now. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm into blueberries. I think the next thing that I'm really going to start growing, I actually started it today, spinach. You know, Popeye was onto something. Spinach is really good. So I got all these different variety of spinach. Um, and so I just put them in trays today. So in about a month, we're going to be talking a lot about spinach, Shane. Because the right. blueberry game's on top. Now it's spinach game. Going to become Popeye all over again. Well, you're slowly actually growing my entire morning smoothie. Because what I do is I use baby spinach. And then I grow the kale and I chop the kale into squares. And then I freeze it. Yes. And then in that is blueberries, blackberries, and raspberries, all of which you have access to. So you can this, literally be my provider. See, I, I make these smoothies too. So just think about it. Like, I, you know, I'm really getting – and there's another thing that I've, I learned, Shane, that I've been doing. It's called edible landscaping. And that's when you, like, pick flowers and, and stuff around your house that you can eat. And, and so, you know, you can make a nice, like, garden bed or flower bed. But you don't have to put your traditional flowers. You can put in kale. Let the kale flower. It's quite beautiful. My neighbor, she's like, Andy, what's that flower over there? I'm like, that's a red Russian kale that I just left there. And now it's in flower mode. So I'm really into this whole edible landscaping concept as well. So for anyone out there, you know, definitely give it a try. You can have your flowers and eat them too. <laughs> you were, I noticed on your Twitter, you were skipping like a madman again today. Um, I can tell you that I did get my oversized yoga mat because I wanted, I call it my fat guy mat because then like my chubby bits don't overflow off a normal size mat. And uh, this is seven feet by five feet, part of my new workout plan in the nice. garage. So skipping is on my agenda. Um, I promise you, I will not tell you how bad it is once I get started, but uh, you've been working out with some activity trackers. Is it helping? Oh, Shane. Okay. I have another problem. So I, you know me, I, I review a lot of different gadgets. And so this activity tracker came in. And so I've, I reviewed a lot of activity trackers. Well, this one doesn't just track your steps or runs. It tracks jump rope. So then I was like, well, how accurate could this be? I'm going to test it out. And so I'm doing experiments where I'm jumping rope. I would purposely screw up and it says it can measure trips. It is super accurate. It's pretty much changed my life because it can tell you how many consecutive jumps you've done before you screw up. And so now it essentially, Shane, it's gamifying jump rope where I can make like, I'm going to try to jump for five minutes straight nonstop mm -hmm. and, and I can do it. And so, yeah, the only problem is the company that makes this wearable. It is, I'm very reluctant to, to endorse it because people are going to think I'm crazy. Can you, get, can you guess what company it's from? Company that makes a tracker that, I don't know, <laughs> Leapfrog comes to mind, like some sort of kids thing. It's Huawei, the Huawei Band oh, 6. Dear. Oh, dear. I man. know. I got Huawei on my wrist, Shane, and I can't get it off. It is like the perfect activity tracker. And I'm like, 
what am I supposed to do now? If, if I go and start telling people how great this is, they're going to think I'm a Chinese spy, you know? Like, yeah. It's, well, and I, well I if belong- you go, go deep in the settings there and tell us where uh, Justin uh, Trudeau is right now. I bet you can find him on there. But, it, I, you know, I have to say, it from like, it's every kind of feature I would want in an activity tracker, right down to the design and the usability. Um, I'm part of this Facebook jump rope group, which is like 20, 30,000 people. I would love to tell them like all the beginner jumpers, like this is a great tool to help you stay motivated. But as soon as I say Huawei, everybody is going to, I'm going to get backlash. So I'm really stuck, Shane, because I'm going to continue using it. I love it. I'm like, I'm like a jump rope ninja with this thing on. But at the same time, I don't know if I'm comfortable. At at the same time treason so i know but you know china can have they can have my jump rope data i hope they look at it and be like wow this guy's getting really good real fast you know? yeah i don't think that's what they're doing if that's on your network and connected to your phone or anything trust me dude they already got your banking information they've got everything they know what you're up to you they know that you're stealing internet from your neighbors so which is interesting thing about Huawei is uh, they're not allowed to have Google products on their phones right now. So they just created their own operating system called Harmony OS. And so essentially, Shane, they have their own app store now. And guess what they need? They need to give developers on board to create apps for their app store on top of making apps for Apple and Google. So Huawei has a, a huge challenge, but I'm telling you, they definitely know how to track jump rope. I'll, I'll give them that. Like, just amazing data. That, Pretty sure that's they just know how to track. They just know how oh, to track. Yeah. <laughs> I think that like jump very, rope very is just true. a byproduct of some amazing tracking technology. Very, uh, that's for sure. True. Okay. Uh, Twitter has got a new subscription service that they want you to pay for. We've touched on it very briefly here on the shift before. Tell us about it. Yeah, it's called Twitter Blue. And and what's really interesting is they had talked about this, but they're choosing Canada and Australia to roll it out. So for about, I think it's about $3.30 a month, you can get Twitter Blue, which opens up a, a variety of different features. And these are for the hardcore Twitter users. Now, it doesn't give you an edit button for Twitter, but you do get the ability to preview your tweets and you got about 30 seconds to undo that and fix those tweets. So basically, if you want to tweet something and, you know, not have to delete it, you have to pay for the subscription service. I'm very, very skeptical, Shane, that Canadians are going to pick this up. I don't think anybody is going to get this Twitter blue unless they can expedite your getting your Twitter checkmark on, which I learned you do not have, which doesn't make any sense to me, Shane. I did. How do you not have a blue checkmark? I went and I did the application after we talked about it last week because it was supposed to be simple and easy. I provided my driver's license. I provided my links to the Global News website as being verified as a broadcaster and all of those things and the search metrics that you can get from Google on my name. And um, they responded back and said that my profile was not prominent enough. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So I got to ask, how did you feel? Because like it doesn't make sense to me that like I'm, I'm really confused on what kind of criteria, like a national talk radio show. Like if that's not right. enough, what, what? Like, I don't have a chance at all if, if you can't get on there. Like, well, that's the so, crazy thing, right? I mean, so we're on in eight markets. Plus, we do some, you know, we've done stuff down on St. Louis and Camelax. I've done guest spots and stations all over the place. And so when you search me, I mean, I'm the easiest person in the world to find on the internet. I mean, that's just the, because with the businesses too, right? So it's easy to find me, but they don't, uh, they said that I wasn't prominent enough. And the answer was no. It's mind blowing. No, I don't mean that from an ego place. I'm just meaning from, uh, you know, how is it a, I misunderstood the instructions and screwed it up so bad that they said that I didn't qualify or B, how much activity do you need to have? to be able to get your blue check mark. So that basically means that the way that I understand it is that if you have, you know, 20,000 Instagram followers because you wear a bikini every day and uh, and do a dance on TikTok, you get verified. But, you know, and keep in mind, this is the same company that, you know, banned a president from using their platform, but then they'll verify these other people as being legitimate because the activity is high enough, but then they won't ban uh, you know, someone who just works in the world. So I, I don't know. It's weird. We'll see. I guess we'll see what happens. 
Yeah, uh, Twitter's a really funny social media platform because it's such a big part of our lives, but they don't make nearly as much money as like Facebook does, as YouTube does. You know, they're they're looking for all these different types of monetization and this whole like Twitter blue, this subscription service, I just don't think it's going to take off. And I'm and I'm very curious why they pick Canada as the test market because I don't think Canadians are going to pay to use Twitter or to get power features on Twitter, like the ability to read threads easier, easier, which is one of the features that you get if you get this subscription service. It just doesn't seem like a good buy to me. Yeah, I think that when you look at um, when you look at the fact that even if you'd imagine there's 37 million people in Canada, even if one million Twitter users in Canada were to subscribe to that, you're looking at like three million dollars a month. Which is in the, the scope of internet money is not a lot of money at all. And so, um, it doesn't make any sense to me. Jack Dorsey, though, the guy who owns Twitter, I mean, he's been sort of coming up with a whole bunch of other, uh, really strange connections and things. He's on some projects where he talks about freedom of speech, but then he goes through his stuff with Twitter and, you know, he was the CEO of Square. Uh, he was part of that one. It's got lots and lots of dough, but it's a it's a strange one. You're absolutely right. You know what else is strange? I want to touch on it quickly before we're done. Was Apple's new release of stuff, but there was no actual stuff. No, no, it was their worldwide developer conference. So they're basically talking about all the new features that's going to be coming up, the iOS updates. The big takeaway was Apple's walled garden, that that perfect little walled garden where everything works inside Apple. Well, that came down by allowing FaceTime is now coming to Android and Windows. So that's a big uh, takeaway that we learned today from Apple that FaceTime, and this is all to compete with Zoom, is now going to be available on Android and Windows devices probably in fall. So definitely look out for that. That's exciting. If you want to be able to FaceTime and uh, all your buddies, and if you are non-FaceTime user, at least inside the um, the universe of Apple, it's... Um, you know, it is way better than Skype and all the other ones. It's without a doubt. Uh, quickly, no, no MacBooks, no nothing, no hardware, no excitement over new devices either. No, you're going to have to wait till the fall before they make those announcements. This was more on the software updates, but uh, yeah, definitely they. And it was all pre-recorded, so it was kind of boring. It was nerdy, but still, it was too polished for me, Shane. I, I like, I missed the live events, but uh, because of the pandemic, they had to go this route. Is what it is. HandyAndyMedia.com. If you want to check out his videos, he skips on his Twitter and uh, you'll see his blueberries. He likes to show his berries on the internet. You never know what's going on with Disco Andy and Handy Andy Barrar. Thanks for being here, bud. It's good to see you. My pleasure. This is the Shift Podcast. In case you missed it on the radio, here's the f- what are you doing? The Donald. <laughs> <laughs> Ding. Uh, I like that one. That's how I feel many days and uh, relatable, right? What are you doing? Well, I'll tell you what we're about to do. Today's tweet is a bit of a challenge for everyone, not just uh, you both. I'm talking everybody listening right now. Get your phones out if you if it is legal for you to do so and you're not driving and get creative because uh, we need to pick the funniest person listening to the shift. Let's get into it. Oh boy. It's the tweet of the day. Jimmy Fallon, the late night host and pretty funny guy is, you know, I don't love his show. But I like him a lot. You know, I enjoy watching him and I think he's excellent online. He does a lot of funny stuff on Twitter. And today he posted a hashtag challenge, something he does on his show where he asks people to weigh in on a hashtag and your funny joke could end up on his show. Well, the question he posed is this, or I guess the challenge, take the name of a sports team and add one word to change the meaning and ruin it. Oh boy. <laughs> and some of them that have been submitted are excellent. Would you like some examples? Uh, please. Yes, please. Well, he, the one that Jimmy provided was the Los Angeles toenail clippers. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> which is great. 
This one from a Twitter user is excellent. The Detroit Tiger Kings. <laughs> oh, that's good. The Utah Smooth Jazz. Oh, I like that one. Well, if he, that one's if great. De- I don't understand. If he did with Detroit Tigers and that's Tiger Kings, then I get to, I have ideas. Okay, you keep going. Okay, yeah, keep going. Okay, so some of the ones that I've had, uh, and they're not as great, but I, I just, the uh, Florida Pink Panthers, that's been done before, mm-hmm. but it's, it, you know, it's usable. And uh, where is the other one I had here? See, this is, I, I'm not great on the spot with stuff like this, but uh, you go on Twitter and some person comes out and lists 30 of them at a time, and it's glorious. Yeah, I have a couple kind of kicking around okay. the old brain pan. Um, well, I, I was going to go with uh, the Vancouver Cusucks, but it's technically not a word. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go with the Edmonton Spoilers. Oh, fun. Okay, yeah, I, I'll um, let you, yeah. So I went and I, I did a search for machines because I thought about Edmonton Oilers. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, okay, what, what kind of machines would use an oiler, right? And right. Uh, the only one I found <laughs> um, was there's a machine that uh, for lubing ball oilers. <laughs> Pardon me. Oh. It's yeah. uh, like... It, it's on a hobby machinist thread. A guy named Bob is talking to another guy named Rangemaster One. He's a gunsmith. And mm. they're talking about how they um they lube their ball oilers. So I'm I'm gonna go with um with the Edmonton uh lube the ball oilers. Or the ball oilers. I like the Edmonton That's ball pretty oilers. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Dwayne in Calgary. The Calgary Flameouts. Oh, yeah. That's good. I we did got, have the uh, uh, I had the Calgary Old Flames. Old Flames? Yeah, I saw that one. Nice. Uh, this one, I really like this one. The Miami Heat Rash. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of oh. ones that have kind of repeats. The Brooklyn Hairnets and uh, the Chicago Care Bears. I like that one. That one's great. So I'm going to give you a few minutes here. We're going to get into some other stories. Send in your texts and let me know the best one you can come up with. And I will try to pick the one that I think is a 10 out of 10. Similar as to how I rate dad jokes. All right. Now, money. Money, 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 money. Some people have so much money, it's kind of hard to even comprehend. You know, a purchase so simple, like, me getting a coffee for some, you know, for me is like, okay, I can have two fancy coffees a week because it's going to add up to this, this, and this. But for someone like Jeff Bezos, him buying a $30 latte is like him taking a quarter of a penny out of his wallet, right? It's, it's nothing. Uh, but sometimes billionaires and trillionaires, they splurge on things, right? You know, they'll like to do the Philip, the Philip, I did it again, the philanthropic. What's the word, Shane? Help me out here. Philanthropic. Yeah. Philanthropic. <laughs> Philanthropic work. It's an ongoing uh, but thing. But sometimes here. they want to buy dumb stuff, which if I was a billionaire, I would do the same thing. I mean, I, of course I would. So let's put yourself in the, the shoes of the richest person in the world. One of you've made more money than some nations make in decades. You've created an online empire that dominates world sales and crushes competition. You are Jeff Bezos, and what do you do now? You're stepping back from your role in Amazon a little bit. You've got so much money. You just bought this trillion, almost trillion dollar mega yacht. So what else can you do with your money? It's a nice boat. It's a very nice boat. Well, he's deciding to go on another ride. To space, obviously. Jeff Bezos announced on Monday that he and his brother will be on the first crewed space flight from his private rocket company on July 20th, just 15 days after he is set to step down as Amazon's CFO. <laughs> He's going, Jeff Bezos is going to space. Can you, I'm just putting my mind, myself in the shoes. Like he gets up there and he looks down and he just goes, I own you now, you know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. So here's a little bit more of the details from uh, Good Morning America. 
He's going to be aboard this new Shepard capsule. This is a part of his company, the Blue Origin Company, his space tourism company he's been working on for the past decade. It's going to take six people up. He announced this morning he is going to be one of them. Take a listen. You see the Earth from space, it changes you. It changes your relationship with this planet, with humanity. It's one Earth. I want to go on this flight because it's a thing I've wanted to do all my life. It's an adventure. It's a big deal for me. It is a big deal, guys. And again, this is a capsule that's going to take six people up. That was the plan. They've actually uh, been bidding, had an auction for one seat. It's up to $2.8 million. Wow, big deal. It, that's the funny thing. It, I I don't really think someone who's not an astronaut going to space is a big deal in terms of like, wow, Jeff Bezos is going up. I think it's cool that like a civilian is going up, but that's been done before. He now, makes a million dollars before lunch, that guy. Yeah, yeah, every like every minute, right? So <laughs> the, here's some of the interesting parts. So you'd think if you're paying like $8 million to go to space that you would get a pretty good trip out of it, you know? Mm -hmm. So the new Shepard rocket and capsule, which is autonomous, by the way, so the people up there will not be controlling it. It will take passengers to actual suborbital space, meaning that Jeff and his and his bro will not be orbiting the Earth. They will be basically at the threshold. It's literally the edge of space. It will. So he's not circling the planet. He will be at 62 miles above the Earth. And he will get a little bit of zero gravity. But how long do you think he will be up in space for, for the $8 million that he's paying to go up? $8 million. I mean, you better get at least more than a day out of that. Okay. Well, I say it's like maybe 10 minutes. Very close, Shane. 11 Ooh. minutes. He will be in space minutes. for 11 Ding. minutes. Yes. Um, like, hey, good for you, man. I, I think it's, look... If I if I if I was in if I was a billionaire and I had this opportunity, yes, I would absolutely go to space. For sure. But the part that bothered me in the clip that Jeff Bezos put out is he's like with a he's on a slide and there's a rocket ship beside like a NASA toy. He's like, I've wanted to do this since I was a kid. Jeff, I'm not I'm not sure how long it's been since you started talking to Alexas more than human beings, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure almost every single human being that's ever lived has wanted to go to space at least once and thought about it. You know, you're not alone in this. So take a deep breath. Can't wait for you to post about it on Instagram and then land and live on your boat for the rest of the life. Anyway. Yeah. If, if, uh, I, if I were a billionaire and if I had the opportunity to go into space, mm -hmm. I, I would stay on the ground, I would stay on the earth and spend my money. Yeah, I mean, hey, think of all the concerts we could go to, Matt. Right? Think of all the beer we could drink, Matt. Come think, on, <laughs> think how much. There's a, think how know. many two fours you could get for a billion dollars mm -hmm. of, of Budweiser. The, the only thing I would absolutely <laughs> Budweiser. we'd have of Budweiser. We would have to do though is if the three of us were in a capsule and it came down, we would have to do something really stupid as it landed, like you know, have a song blaring from the speakers, like Panama by Van Halen, and yes. have like fireworks coming out and then just make it way too extra that would be a lot of fun i vote for panama yeah i tried to convince my best friend to walk down the aisle at his wedding like you know before the groom while the groom waits for the bride to have that be the song because i thought it'd be really funny he didn't do it but let's just say i am very much considering that option at mine in the future please do yeah uh let's uh <sighs> let's skip down here <laughs> because uh another fun story we're just I'm in a let's, I'm in a fun mood. Let's keep it fun. The war for the best fast food chicken sandwich continues. And now Burger King is throwing its crown in the ring. Oh, did you hear that rhyme? Nice. Dang. Word. The restaurant, sorry, the fast food joint. I struggle calling places like Burger King and Wendy's restaurants. I get it, they technically are, but mm -mm. uh it tweeted. It will be donating 50 cents from every one of its new chicken sandwiches. So CH apostrophe King huh, sandwiches mm. to the human rights campaign for pride month. Mm. And then added even on Sundays. That is a, a dig at Chick-fil-A, which is notoriously known for its devout Christian ownership that 
you know, used to donate to very anti LGBTQ uh, organizations and went through some hot water over that. So now Burger King is not only trying to make a better chicken sandwich than Chick-fil-A, which I, I haven't tried to know yet. They're now trying to start another Twitter war over this, which I think is stupid because the, the chicken war ended a long time ago because this still is, and we're just going to skip the clip. Uh, we're just going to go right into it. Popeye still has the best fried chicken sandwich from a fast food joint. Oh, yeah. It's still the best. I just, I try every new one that try to wow me with it. Even KFC's new one. And you're like, oh yeah, it's fine. I'd rather you have Popeye's. Mm. Burgers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Well, I'm hungry and I'm like going to bed in half an hour. And many people in Ontario on the East Coast are, are now waking up and thinking, I'm going to have a healthy breakfast today. I'm sorry that fried chicken will now be in your men, your mind more than a banana. I love it. I, Chick Fil A's good. They're just all. Everyone's different. Why do we have to compare them and put them in all in the same styrofoam box? Well, because they did this to themselves on Twitter. They all, like openly declare war on each other and poke fun at the ingredients and try to one up each other, which drives sales. There was a Popeyes restaurant uh, in uh, in California that sold 3,500 chicken sandwiches a day for the first week that they were available because mm-hmm. of the Twitter beef, or chicken, I should say, which is stupid. So, anyway, the Burger Chicken... That <laughs> <Chicking. laughs> sounds funny to say out loud. That Chicking, is funny. Uh, is coming soon to Canada. It's available in the States. Uh, I, I hope to try it. In the meantime... I will settle for my Popeye's sandwich, which I should say, I'm. we're not sponsored in any way. I just, I'm a fan. I, I just wanted to bring up my son for a Thanksgiving thing once for school. I had to make a, a turkey and he had to fan, like make a famous turkey. And so he did Ale- Alex Ovechkin, except he made the Alex Ovechkin chicken. <laughs> Ovechkin. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's a good dad joke. Yeah, I love that. Before we got into the break there, in case you missed it with Ryan O'Donnell, had conversation around. Uh, funny sports team names that should be changed. Do you want to summarize and catch everybody up who didn't grab that piece, right? Yes. So it was a simple challenge, a simple ask. Take the name of a sports team and add one word to change the meaning. And man, oh man, shift heads, you have delivered. Some of these are fantastic. All right. So let's go to some of these. Uh, does you, do you have any other ones that you want to toss in the pile before we get to some listener ones here? Because I got a couple, but we'll come back to those. No, I'll just go straight to the listeners. Uh, the Calgary Flameouts. Yep. From Dwayne, we have the uh, the Edmonton Coilers. That one doesn't really count. <laughs> I would like to say that one's also coming from Vancouver. Um, the Orlando Magic Mushrooms. Creative. That's very good. Uh, Toronto Maple Weed. Not sure if that one counts, but we'll go with it. How about the Toronto Maple Leaf Blowers? Nice. <laughs> that's 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 one. That one's my pick. That's the um, top so far. Uh, this one's a. It doesn't quite fit, but it works. Baltimore Memorials. That was kind of fun. You put the mem in front. Um. How about the Ottawa Lying Senators? <laughs> <laughs> that one's from. Oh, Don. very good. Very good. Um. The Oakland Panty Raiders. I don't think that one's right. Nice. Uh, Texas Lone Rangers, also on the list. Um, <laughs> There's some great So I, I came here. up with a couple. Uh, came up with a couple. There's a bunch that we can't read, by the way. Ugh. Like to just throw that out there. Thank you for all the ones that we can't read. Some evolving St. Louis Blues. Um, so I threw together a couple of hockey ones. I got inspired a little bit because once I, you sort of said that we could not do like Calgary Flames, but you could do Flame, for example. I thought the uh, Calgary Candle Flames was pretty good just because of the way they play hockey. <laughs> That's not a very scary team name. Um, with Winnipeg getting kicked out, I'm surprised we didn't get any Winnipeg ones. Um, um the Winnipeg Private Jets, I thought was pretty good. Hmm? I thought the uh, Winnipeg Jet Skis. Nice. Yep. Would be all right, you know. Considering, you know, in the summertime, it's nice there. Uh, the Winnipeg Gotta Jets, which is kind of what they did in that series. 
Uh, and if you're not, if your bones are feeling sore, you could always go with the uh, Winnipeg hot tub jets. Oh, nice. I thought that was fun. And I thought that the uh, shift heads missed out on the Montreal Canadiens, you know, because they're simple ones like the Montreal Canadian flags. Uh, there's the Montreal Canadian geese. And then, of course, the most important of them all is the Montreal Canadian whiskey. Whiskies, which would be my favorite hockey team. Mm, Unlike your favorite hockey team, which is real and which won the series against the Jets. Congratulations to all the Canadians fans who won their bets. Um, and, uh, don't have to buy Ryan dinner. Yeah. It looks like I owe you a chicken I took sandwich. The Jets. <laughs> yes. Yes. Give me a the Mc- chicken. McChicken. The chicken. Chicken <laughs> sandwich. Ching. Thanks for listening to the shift podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple podcast, Google podcast, Spotify and curious cast.ca.